And we are back. Welcome to another edition of Kevin's Corner. I am Kevin Bowen recording a little bit late, I guess, on this Monday afternoon. I Usually I like to record uh, mornings, but uh, the Colts decided to wait till virtually the latest of any team. Actually, I think they probably were the latest of any team on the old fifth-year options for Malik Hooker. And the longer you waited, the more I thought, this isn't going to be good for those wanting Malik Hooker to get a fifth-year contract exercised on that option. We'll get into that certainly on this edition of the podcast. I also dove more into um, 2020 draft pick film. So I want to also take a a closer look at uh, all those picks and just a few more tidbits that I've learned because, you know, we haven't had a podcast since last Sunday. Um, And we'll stick to one a week during the off season. We will continue to uh, live to that mantra. I know the schedule will be coming out a little bit later this week. Uh, I'll just recap that on next week's podcast. I don't feel the need to, you know, have an emergency podcast over the schedule. Uh, but like I said, we'll touch on the Malik Hooker thing right off the bat. We'll get into some of the draft pick uh, breakdowns now that I've watched a little bit more film and just looked deeper into these picks and, and talk to some more people about them. And um, Twitter questions per usual to round out this edition of Kevin's Corner. Before we get into things, I just want to just give you guys a genuine thank you. Um, for the constant listenership that we've had, um, obviously throughout the history of this podcast, and, and shouts to Joey Molinaro for being a huge help with that, uh, but also through this time. You know, I, I know it's not the easiest listen to hear me talk for an hour, and we will get a producer um, hopefully very soon once we can get back into the studio and the sound quality will improve a little bit more. But uh, last week's podcast, the draft podcast, was by far the most listened one that we've ever had. So um, huge thanks for uh, – Consuming our content through all of this. I know the written numbers have been pretty good on the site. And um, you guys know full well when you're following me and, and you're looking for our content podcast every week and written content uh, Monday through Friday and uh, usually multiple articles per day up on our website, 107.5. So we have by far the most consistent um, Colts content out there on multiple platforms. So, again, thank you guys uh, for making sure that you are um, – that you're still listening and, and reading and following along. All right, let, let's get into the hooker thing. Um, boy, that sounded weird. But, uh, yeah, uh, Malik Hooker, the fifth-year option, 2021, not being picked up by the Indianapolis Colts, uh, colored me surprised. I'm surprised. Uh, thought it was affordable, you know, $6.7 million. And, you know, that's something that's not even guaranteed until next spring. You know, you could see him play out this 2020 season. And then if you really want to move on, you could still move on. It's not like you are handing him that money right here and right now. Um, so, you know, that's something that I feel like uh, was surprising to me because do you want to see more out of Malik Hooker? Certainly, without a doubt. But still, you can realize that the fifth-year option for him is extremely affordable. Um, I mean, we're talking middle-of-the-pack starting safety money. And while I like Julian Blackman, and the more that, again, I've, I've looked into that pick, um, he is an intriguing guy to me. You're putting a whole lot of pressure on a guy coming off the ACL. And we see how Malik Hooker has played coming off this ACL. And you're pretty much telling Julian Blackman with this move of like, all right, we need you to be our starting safety in 2021. We'll see how much he plays here in 2020 coming off that December ACL injury. Um, so I'm just a little bit surprised by that because I think Ballard more than anyone has been a, hey, it takes a year, year and a half is frequently the timetable that Ballard has thrown out to evaluate guys on these, uh, on these ACL injuries. And so, I mean, you, you could be throwing, you know, Blackman really into the fire in 2021. And I actually like kind of the versatile role that they've envisioned with him. Um, but I will say when I watched that with the next pick series, well, when did that come out? Was that last Wednesday? And I do have a few thoughts on that that I will interject with um, throughout the podcast. But when they, um, when they had that and Blackman, you know, his name gets brought up and, and Ballard says, I think this is a legit something to the, some of the effect of like, this is a, a legitimate starting free safety in our league. I was kind of like, Oh, Oh, okay. Um, how long is this going to play out? You know? 
and I think they probably waited maybe a little bit on Monday to entertain some trade offers for Malik Hooker. It's kind of like you know on these fifth-year options. You don't need to wait until the final day or the final deadline. Um, but, yeah, I, I see a 24-year-old safety that's been um, better than average, and I'd be willing to evaluate him for another season at $6.5 million. That is extremely affordable for a starting safety in this league, and you still – can play Blackman, ease him into things, you know, in that versatile role, moments at free safety for sure. And then once you get through 2021, then you can make that hard line decision on Hooker. Um, I, I know his ball production maybe hasn't been at the level that Chuck Pagano set the crazy expectations for of Ed Reed, but he's had seven picks in 34 games. That's a pretty good ratio. That's like a top five safety uh, number since Hooker's entered the league. So, yeah, I was um, – I'm surprised. I think it's a head-scratcher. Now you throw Hooker into the 2020 free agents. I know some people are like, this is good. He'll be motivated. He'll have a great year, and then we can still re-sign him. I mean, you talk about the impression. You talk about a sour taste Malik Hooker now has with how the Colts feel about him. You didn't pick up the option. I mean, again, the very affordable option. It might work out for Hooker. He might make more money. But to me, it's like he might make more money elsewhere. So, yeah, right now your 2021 free agents among the notable names, Phil Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, Marlon Mack, Justin Houston, Xavier Rhodes, Danico Autry, Hooker, Anthony Walker, and then for now, Ryan Kelly. I I would assume an extension would come this offseason. For Ryan Kelly, but yeah, I am. Uh, we even heard from Frank Reich earlier today, and he mentioned, you know, I really felt like Malik had a really good year in describing 2018. And so I'm like, if you thought he had a really good year, again, we're talking middle of the pack, starting safety money, and get this guy another year away from the ACL. Because you're going off the Ballard timetable, of like, okay, it takes 18 months to really see a guy. Well, in 2018, is almost a wash when you're evaluating. I mean, Hooker got back in less than 12 months from that ACL. So then 2019 is really the one season where you're looking at him, and he's healthy, and he plays, again, a, a good season, a solid season, whatever you want to debate here, and you're not going to pick up that, that option. Interesting. I will say this. One thing about Chris Bauer that I have a ton of respect for is when he's when he's done with guys, and they're not done with Malik Cooker, but you know what I'm saying. Boy, he's not afraid to move on. I mean, Zach Banner, and this is, I guess, in reference more to that 2017 draft class. I mean, he held on to Quincy Wilson a little bit, but like Banner, gone. Terrell Basham, you know, gone after one year and a month into that 2018 season. And Hooker, you know, not even getting that fifth-year option. I mean, Ryan Grixon held on for dear life with so many of those guys in those drafts. Um, so, yeah, I would have been willing to to give it another two years, and uh, we'll see how it all plays out. I know um, someone had, had DM'd me um, a few days ago mentioning that um, Malik Hooker's repre- representation is athletes first, which, for those that don't know, probably – Next to CAA, I would say the most well-known NFL agency. I mean, right up there with one of the top two or three, whatever you want to call them. Um, this agency also represents Eric Ebron. And obviously, we saw how that played out this season with the Colts pretty much blindsided by that Eric Ebron news. And this person was just kind of asking me, what do you think? You think the Colts are playing this out all the way up until Monday just to piss off his agency, and I, I just, boy, I think that's such a petty thing to do, especially, again, when it is one of the biggest agents in the NFL, and inevitably, while you might not have any clients on your current roster, you could have clients that are free agents next year, or draft picks down the road, so it, it gave me some initial pause, but I just don't think that's a game you want to play. That's a danger, and I just can't see Ballard playing that game. If you like the player, you pick up the option, period. It's, it's not really that that hard of a decision, <laughs> The option is the option. You aren't negotiating with the agent. Um, 
so yeah, I just thought if anyone else out there had uh, had any input on that or any curiosity on that, I wanted to mention that. All right, let's move into the um, move into the draft picks. We did hear from Frank Reich on Monday morning, week three of the virtual offseason program. I know I've gotten a few questions on that from uh, fans. What are the Colts doing? What does that look like? Things like that. Uh, four hours a day, the Colts are allowed to talk with their players. Two hours of those are meetings. So think of unit meetings, positional meetings. You know, the corners get together. Then you might get together as an entire defense. Maybe you have some individual meetings within that as well. And then the other two hours primarily are strength and conditioning. And Rusty Jones, the head of their strength program, is um, doing 30 minutes with the entire team. Frank Reich said that it's just absolutely paramount right now uh, from a nutritional standpoint. All these guys working out across the country. And, you know, some of them certainly have different equipment and all that stuff. And the Colts have sent them some heart monitors and just body monitor stuff so they can instantaneously get that feedback on on what these guys are looking like from a workout standpoint. Are they meeting the threshold and, and stuff like that? Uh, and, and I really think the virtual aspect of things, I think it benefits the Colts more so than other teams for um, for two main reasons. One, you guys have heard me say this, it's the same offense and same defense now for a third year. Not many teams in the NFL, I probably should look this up, I don't think there's many teams in the NFL that have the same two coordinators, help, same three coordinators, special teams coordinator as well, and the same head coach for three straight years. So I think that is a benefit. And I think where it also benefits the Colts comes back to the Ballard mantra of this is the high character element and why it means so much to the Colts. You've got to trust your players right now. You've got to trust them to obviously work out, but I would say more so, and maybe I'm just speaking from my own experience during this quarantine. Hell, the pantry's right there, folks. It is right there. It is right there. You're not eating the meals that are at, you know, West 56, you know, two, three times a day during the off-season program in person. You are, uh, you can do whatever you want. And so I think it is having the high character, the self-motivated guys, that's huge. And the Colts clearly have that. That's been a huge, huge priority for them throughout the draft process. So um, I I did want to sneak that in uh, before we dove into the draft prospects. All right, let's go in order. We'll start with Michael Pittman, uh, number 34 overall, 6'4", 223. I mentioned the height and weight because too many times – guys of that size, they don't play to that weight. They don't play to that height. You know, we all had the, um, you know, playing basketball growing up, we all had the, the the fifth grader that was six foot and just couldn't, I mean, he was terrible. Just so uncoordinated, never played to that height, brought the ball down low, getting stripped all day. You're just praying, if I had that size, man, I'd, I'd be in the NBA. Michael Pittman plays to that size. He finishes plays. Um... You know, he, he, he runs through some tackles. He uses that fray, frame to kind of, you know, post up well. Um, but there is, like, it's not this huge yard after catch element to him. But again, plays are finished. Whether it's stretching out, whether it's running through an arm tackle, there's a little bit of, okay, he can get you two to three yards. And how many times do... You see why that's our tight ends runner out short of the sticks on third down. They turn up field and they don't have a prayer. Pittman is a guy that maybe can give you another yard or two. Um, you know, people have lauded, especially the Colts have lauded, you know, his deep ball ability. I He doesn't short arm those deep balls. Like, I, he doesn't give up. He doesn't give it. He's not afraid to finish on deep balls. Some guys are. They know the headhunters are coming. And they're going to short arm it, or they're going to kind of give up on their body. I don't get that out of Pittman. He doesn't look scared to me on the deep balls. Whenever those DBs are closing in and whatnot, I, I don't. Again, I don't, I don't see the alligator arms um, in him. I liked, and this is something that they pointed out on the with the next pick series. Every year at USC, he got better. 
And that was even with quarterback issues. I mean, they, they had three different QBs play in the month of September this past season. You know, it ended up being a true freshman. That was his quarterback there to end it. And he still produced at an incredibly high level at, you know, a major, major school at a major conference. Um, you like his footwork. I mean, when I watch him run, I don't think he's plotting. I don't think he moves like Kevin Bowen at 6'3". I think he moves like a really, really good athlete at 6'4", 220 pounds. And there is a defensive mentality almost to how he plays. You know, he was a linebacker. Um, he's a linebacker in safety in high school. He went to... Um, he went to Oaks Christian, which is uh, also the high school of one Jimmy Clausen. I had a I had a um, Clausen for Heisman shirt back in the day. God, I love that shirt. Did Corn Washington make that shirt, or did I just buy it off some foreign website? I I don't know, but yeah, I had a Clausen for Heisman shirt. Uh, Lord knows that didn't go as according to plan. But um, yeah, Pittman was a linebacker and safety there, and didn't play wideout till his junior year. And, you know, his dad is, I mean, his dad was a tough runner. Like, you're going to get that out of him. There is a defensive background. He's not, I've said this before, he's not the USC pretty boy. He's not, he's not a finesse guy. Um, They also had a battle, you know, when you talk about USC and that depth chart of what what it looks like, nothing, nothing is being handed to you um, whatsoever. You know, the Colts have mentioned, like, he has a knack for winning those jump balls. And a lot of times it is easier said than done. He has that knack to go up and get it, snatch it, come down with it. He wins the vast majority of those 50-50 balls. Uh, we know full well what, what Frank Reich thinks of him. I mean, Frank said afterwards, um, you know, I, I'm not sure he's not the best wideout in the um, in the entire draft. And... That's high price. I mean, what? He was the eighth receiver taken, I believe. Um, yeah, because they had six go in round one. And then, yeah, T. Higgins was number seven. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Pittman was, was, was number eight. So, again, high, high praise. But I think for what the Colts wanted, this is why they feel like in most drafts, he would have gone top 20 or top 25. I mean, this is historic wideout depth. Um, and, and Reich said, who else do I look – who else do I like better than this guy for our team? And I struggle to answer that question. Again, for this team, the Colts wanted the big body wideout. Frank Reich has said, I want that X receiver. I want the guy where I can play trips on the right, and boom, Pittman is all alone in man-on-man coverage to the boundary – um, and he just wins. And Reich said that he watched several routes at USC where Pittman ran and successfully won a lot, and that is those exact routes are in the Colts' offense. So they just saw an ideal fit. I know I've been clamoring for the for the big body wideout. You guys know full well that I have been. I looked up uh, the last time the Colts have had a wideout six foot four reach just 400 yards in a season. 400. Let me whip out the calculator on that. Okay, 400 divided by 16 is 25 yards per game. The last time the Colts had a 6-4 wideout that gave them 25 yards per game for an entire season was Sean Dawkins in 1997. I was eight years old. In 1997. It's been eons. Eons. It's time to get that. Um, I was listening to uh, Graham Harrell was on with uh, JMV, the USC. uh, Talk about a guy that put up some stupid numbers in college. Graham Harrell did that. He's a USC offense coordinator. And he mentioned when he got to USC, which I think he was only there for one year with Pittman, they quickly told him, like, this is our best special teams player. I mean, don't you just love that mentality? Got a little bit of dirty work on the special teams. 
all of those things. And again, I mean, I think in a normal year for wideout talent, he would have been a top 25, top 20 pick. But he's pushed down the list, and that's why the Colts feel like he can be a future number one wideout. And look, I'm not putting him at all, so don't don't misconstrue this. I'm not putting him at all in the same breath of Marvin, Reggie, or even T.Y. But watch that passing of the torch. Marvin as a number one wideout, eventually to Reggie. They thought Anthony Gonzalez, that didn't work out. Okay, eventually, luckily for them, Reggie played really good football you know, into his 11th, 12th season, then they can give it to T.Y. T.Y. now has carried that torch for X amount of years. He's still going to carry it for 2020. But now can you pass it on to the next guy? And they feel like Michael Pittman is that guy. All right, Jonathan Taylor. um, Boy, Wisconsin's good at football, good at running the football, and um, the Big Ten could not stop him. I mean, the numbers are just incredible. I've got something going up on um I've got something going up on uh let me find that on Taylor tomorrow. And I just want to read off some of these numbers. I mean what he what he did at Purdue was boy, that was hide the children. Purdue fans, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I said an IU grad, uh, all IU grads should be thankful Jonathan Taylor played IU once. Still at 180. All right, Jonathan Taylor, three years at Wisconsin. Only player in FBS history, only player in FBS history to rush for at least 1,900 yards in three straight seasons. 41 career games played for Jonathan Taylor. 32 of them he rushed for at least 100 yards. He had more 200-yard rushing games than games of less than 100. Nine games of less than 100 in a 40-whatever, 40 42-game career. And he had 12, 12 of over 200. So, again, it is um, the numbers are incredible. Why the Colts feel like he'll be different than Monte Ball, Melvin Gordon, Ron Dane is because He's got the 4-3 speed. And I noticed that more than I noticed his size at Wisconsin. You know, the thing there is he's not getting hit a whole lot behind the line of scrimmage. His yards after contact often come, you know, further down, um, further into a play, which he's going to have to make that adjustment. Uh, His rushing style is not going to be as clean as it was at Wisconsin just because there's more parity in the NFL. But, man, when he gets – when he finds that crease early in a play – he can rev it up real quick. I mean, real quick. There are some wow runs um, for those that, that want to see some plays. Early on in the Michigan game this year, um, he had a couple runs against Iowa, and then a run right here at Lucas Oil, right at the gut against Ohio State that just, yeah, I mean, he just, when I thought of Jonathan Taylor, I was like, oh, yeah, he's like the power guys that, that Wisconsin has always had. Or more power than speed, at least, is probably how I should say it. But no, I mean, this is a guy that I see more home run ability than I do, honestly. Um, just serious, bruising type of back. Again, there's not a lot of third down film on him. Uh, Kevin Rogers, the Colts pro personnel, I think that maybe director of pro scouting, something like that. He um, was adamant that, that Taylor had a really good pro day catching the ball out of the backfield. And um, th- that will be something I think he needs to get to. When you draft him 41 overall, you want to be able to play him on third down, which obviously third down means not only catching the ball, but, you know, stand on a guy up, a blitzing linebacker up in the hole. So that will be something that is an unknown. I-, I know a lot of people have gone back and forth on the fumble. They're like, oh, Tom Rathman will just cure that. <laughs> like... <laughs> You still got to show it, folks. Just because the guy is a great coach doesn't mean like it's automatically going to get cured. And Jonathan Taylor's numbers, and I know I mentioned on last week's podcast, but I still some people have some people coming back to me. Those are not good fumbling numbers. I laid it out on last week's podcast. One in every, what, 53rd touch, I want to say? And then you look at the top five rushers from last season. They all were about 
one in 90 touches. He's going to get hit more. He's going to get hit earlier in plays. And you sure as hell know God's going to be ripping at the ball. So it is something that he needs to work on. But again, you got Tom Rathman. He's a guy that has been great at it. Helped Naeem Hines get through that struggle in rookie season. Even Mack, I think, is protected well. Hell, I don't even know if the Colts fumbled last year. Maybe Wilkins put on the ground once. We had a lot of questions about Jonathan Wilkins. I will get to in uh, Jonathan Wilkins. Jordan Wilkins uh, into Twitter questions. Um, you know, when you watch him at Wisconsin, there's a lot of the zone-heavy stuff, outside zone, inside zone, um, that the Colts definitely want to use as well. Rodgers mentioned that he's such a good athlete. I don't know how many how – many, if you want to clog up the space in front of him, I think – and I'm paraphrasing a little bit there. But that was curious to me about Roosevelt Nix and just that sort of thing. And that's something I'll get to in Twitter questions as well. But you know, how much do we see a fullback with them? Um, I thought Ed Dodds had a great line on the with the next pick series and saying, you know, how many times do you have the opportunity to draft these type of players at, you know, in the second round and the Colts obviously hope they'll be drafting late in rounds moving forward. So that is a great point made there. And um, that's why they didn't, they didn't want to trade back. Some really good candid shots in the with the next pick series of uh, obviously Nick, Nick Sirianni coming into the Zoom looking like he was a yeah looking like he was getting ready for a little five hundred as a frat boy at IU. Um, great Papa shot in the background of the Sirianni household. I love Ryan Bowen. I love that Papa shot in the Bowen household back in the day. Yeah, I mean the whole Mac thing, one two punch for sure. I love Jonathan Taylor's. Uh, character he had a quote work is what breeds confidence your confidence should be backed up by how much work you put in that's good that's really good if i ever became a coach i'd probably plaster that on the weight room wall hope that one of my 20 players looks at it but yeah i mean ballard saying our goal this offseason was to add more guys that we thought could be star players you can debate how long a running back is going to be a star, but they can be stars in this league still. And Jonathan Taylor has to get to that, get to that level. Um, lastly, before we move on with him, I think play action should be huge for this team. And now just having another guy. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is going to command opposing defense attention from day one. That that's you know that's how rookie running backs can roll. So. Um, that, I think, has just been a missing element in this offense. And you got to be able to tap into that because, again, Taylor has that home run ability that can strike some fear into the defense. Um, one last thing, and I know that I have preached this a lot. What I want to see from the Colts moving forward from a rushing offense standpoint is a consistent rushing attack for 60 minutes. I know that's that's difficult to do. But at times it was like, okay, you'd see it for a half or you'd see it for a quarter or a quarter and a half. Can you do it over the course of 60 minutes? And I promised you last week that when I mentioned that I would crunch some numbers, looking more into this, the Colts against the three, they played three defenses last year that were ranked top 10 rushing defense. Three of them. Their numbers against those three teams. Tampa Bay, 66 yards on 22 carries. That's three yards per carry. New Orleans, 46 yards on 17 carries. That's 2.7 per carry. Oakland, 81 yards on 23 carries. That's 3.3 per carry. That breaks down to uh, 100, excuse me, 193 rushing yards on 62 carries, a.k.a. 3.1 yards per carry. Should you expect to be at four or four and a half against those teams? No but you don't expect to be at three. You look at what Tennessee did in the playoffs. 217 yards against Baltimore. 201 against New England. In total, 5.4 yards per carry. Those two defenses were top 10 rushing defenses. That's a separate from being really good and being elite. And Jonathan Taylor gives you another jolt to getting to that elite level. 
All right, Julian Blackman, uh, boy, how is his mood probably changed after today's news? I see a lot of Kari Willis in him. Maybe a little bit more of a fluid cover guy than Willis and, and not as as much of a thumper, but basically what I see is just a highly, highly instinctual player. You know, he was recruited to Utah as just a pure athlete. I think he was mostly on the offensive side of the ball in um, in high school, What was a Utah kid um, from the state of Utah. Went there early on, played corner for two years, and then thought about coming out of his junior year, moved to safety, and he talked about just the quarterback element to his game that I think he really, really likes. Um, and, and, yeah, I'm talking about being a quarterback at the back end of your defense. And so I think if, if we're going to separate, you know, Blackman and Hooker, I see a better tackler in Blackman, and I, I think there's a little bit more of a I'll line everybody up field. Malik Hooker's a pretty, pretty good extinctual player. You don't, you don't have the type of ball production that he has had so far and had at Ohio State if you don't have not only some incredible range, but some instincts as well. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a play that Blackman reads a screen early in the Pac-12 title game before he tears his ACL. By the way, he told a crazy story about he tore his ACL. He stayed in for four plays. He's looking over at Terrell Burgess, and he's saying, I think I tore it. I think I tore it. I'm going to wait till it snaps. Like something to that. I'm just like, what? What in the world? Um, dude, football players are crazy. But, you know, th- there is a trend in the NFL about going, you know, getting more versatile in the secondary getting interchangeable parts, because you don't want to tip your hand either. You know, when, when Clayton Geller's in the game, the opposing offense can be like, all right, let's pass. But if you have a guy like like Blackman or, or Willis, who you feel like can be productive in both the run game or the pass game, now you aren't tipping your hand, and they are adamant, adamant, that he's a three-down player for you. Um. I like the corner background. I, I've watched a little bit of his corner tape. It's not great, but I feel like in today's NFL, again, if you've got a safety that has a corner background, to me that's better than having a safety that has a linebacker background. I I hate to say it because I love the style of play, but you wonder if like thumping safeties are kind of dead. Like are the Clayton Gathers are even bigger than the Gathers? You know, the Cam Chancellor. You know, are those guys? They're kind of being waned out. Blackman's not big. He's six foot one eighty seven, but he tackles much better than that frame indicates. And um, Kyle Whittingham said that he's their um, best ball skill of any player that he's had at Utah, and he's been there for a while. So yeah, this is a guy that can play three spots, but is he now your free safety? Oh. Of the future, and and when I heard that quote from Chris Ballard, I think this guy is legitimate free safety in this league. I said hello, Malik Hooker. Hello, I can see why you've uh, you've uh, cleaned out your Instagram and think they did the same thing on Twitter. Like now, I stand by what I said about Hooker earlier. I like versatile parts and all of that. So um, so I. I would not have done that, but yeah, that's a little bit more into uh, into the Blackman. All right, Jacob Eason. I'm I'm three games in on, on Eason, so I still want to do a little bit more. Boy, he's got a big arm. <laughs> he's got a big arm. Frank Rikers asked a question about it today. You know, something to the effect of like, I know he's got a big arm, but what else does he does he need to work on? And Reich just for a second just kind of gushed. He does have a gun for an arm, and then he got into you know breaking it down, um, and that. Okay, if you want to watch kind of like the the two, well, I thought the Cal game, it just, it wasn't great. It was his first real start. Um, they didn't really give him much of a chance. His anticipations, I thought, were a little bit just he played conservative a bit. I didn't like that. Then he plays BYU a couple weeks later, and you want to watch you want to watch a, a number one pick first half. Go watch Jacob Eason the first half against BYU. I mean, holy shit. It is, it is um, ball placement just incredible. Again, at BYU, which Provo is no joke, folks. Provo is no joke. He was, um, he was incredible in, in that first half. 
Um, and, and, you know, I think Reich has detailed very well that the footwork's got to get better. That will improve his accuracy. But also what will improve his accuracy is um, the mental progressions. You know, if he can get further into that, that's going to help him out as well. Um, and the Colts are going to have time. I mean, and the Colts clearly did plenty of homework. I mean, sending Brian Decker and Ed Dodds out to Seattle to do more homework, you aren't doing that for every prospect. Hell, there probably wasn't more than 10 prospects the Colts did that for. I mean, that is, that's a lot of help um, and a lot of intel that you're trying to get on easy. I was curious, though, how long that pick took. That pick took, I mean, it seemed like all five minutes. I would have, and of course, with the next pick, isn't going to give us any of that, which I'm going to be greedy. I, it's an unbelievably produced insight and tremendous. But come on, you, you, you talked more about Danny Pintner than you did Jacob Eason. Give us some real. Come on. That's me being greedy there, but I definitely wanted, wanted that as well. So I guess the main question I have with these, and obviously it's consistency, and the more I watch him, the more you see, like, man, did he have – how much control did he have of Washington's offense? He's kind of looking at the sidelines a lot. They do go under center a decent amount, but it's still a whole lot of spread. It's just kind of like, does he need game reps? That is my worry. You know, and I'm not sure how much I mapped this out on last week's podcast, but think about it. Sits in 2020, sits in 2021. I mean, you're going to go through a five-year period from 2017 to 2021, and Jacob Eason will have played one year of football. I think game reps are so valuable. So valuable. And it, I'm not – look, he's walking into a great situation. I mean, and he said it. A tremendous opportunity. Learning from Reich, the history of Luck and Rivers and Carson Wentz and all that, and, and learning from Rivers. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that maybe needs to mature a bit? Eason, okay, watch Philip Rivers be a pro. Watch Rivers. Rivers commands a room. You got to go meet that. So I think all of that is is key. Um, hell, I mean, he probably should have gone back. Probably should have gone back for a year. They were terrible in uh, on third down last year, Washington, which I didn't love. I know none of his wideouts got drafted. It's not like he had, you know, Joe Burrow, wideout core, hell, even a – even a Justin Herbert or Tua wideout group. But, um, yeah, they were terrible in third down. They were pretty good in red zone, which um, are actually really good in red zone, now I think about it, which are two key stats. But I love the arm. Boy, there's some great arm talent and just, all right, Frank Reich, go to work. All right, Pittner, we'll kind of run through these these uh, last few picks a little bit quicker here before we get into Twitter questions. Um They think a really good interior player in this league. Um, I felt it interesting that they, they mentioned center. And I'm like, okay, does that mean no Javon Patterson? Like, okay, center. Um, Ryan Kelly, I assume you extend him this offseason. Maybe you don't for some reason. I, I don't I don't I don't really I don't want to get too deep into that because I still think Ryan Kelly can be a really good player. And obviously you want multiple offensive linemen and we'll get into the Mark Glowinski, Danny Pittner thing in Twitter questions, but um He's so athletic. I mean, when you watch him on film, you're like, that dude can run. He gets to that second level, and yeah, I mean, he can really, really run. His brother's a firefighter. I kind of like that. Toughness. Um, Going to have to improve his strength, especially if he's going to play in the, um, in the interior. Um, but yeah, extremely athletic guy, and I'll, I'll be curious to see where he settles in at down the road. Okay, Rob Windsor out of uh, Penn State, dude. He's just got effort. Just just stupid effort. Great effort. Um, Mike DeReese mentioned that's what pushed him up the board. I mean, when you have that type of effort and you're going to play Matt Eberflus' defense, there's going to be a marriage there. Um, he does have some some early down or early play, I should say, quickness to him. Um, he moved over to that one technique, which means backing up more of the nose tackling Grover Stewart as a senior. And to me, that's the initial start for him. You know, they they say he's okay at 290 pounds. The Colts have played guys there at 290, but they've really had their best success with kind of Al Woods, Grover Stewart, much bigger bodies. So I'm I'm still not sold on the Windsor fit, exactly where it's going to be. 
Um, but I would probably play him behind Grover Stewart. I think that's his best chance to make the team. Granted, the bigger body guys, you know, Stewart and Windsor, they're probably not going to play much, if at all, on uh, on third down. Isaiah Rogers, nickel cornerback. Uh, one thing I, I, I do want to clean up before I get into what I like about him. I've heard a lot of people say, he's the top kick returner in the nation. He literally returned the most kicks in college football last year. Why? It is because UMass could not stop Maddie Bowen, Kevin Bowen, and the nine neighborhood kids. UMass folks gave up. If I had a guess, okay. I will throw this out to you. How many points do you think UMass's defense gave up this past season? You probably guess. I don't know. Kevin's making it a big deal. Probably, I don't know, 38, 42. Uh, some of you will guess 45, 48. 52.7 points per game. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. Well, of course he's going to be the top kick returner in college football. He's running back there every other series. More than that. So he returned 53 kicks in the college football last year. Second most on the list was 37. So I'm like, okay. I get the kick return element. He runs 4-2, but let's look at maybe kick return average. Okay. He's 26th in the league, or 26th in college football. So, I mean, good, but again, that's just something to kind of keep in mind of like, everyone's like, oh, he's the best kick return in college football. No, not really. No, not at all, to be honest with you. Uh, what I see, I see a highly competitive kid when the ball's in the air, and he's got to be for 5'10", 170. And again, that's what separates – the Kenny Moore to him. It's like, okay, what does he do? And the instincts, I mean, he has tremendous instincts. Um, And so I feel like, okay, that's what you need for a backup nickel. If he can give you the kick return element, then he's got a chance to make the team. Um, Oh, my God. I got squirrels outside of my house. They are – is there a better – animal athlete for quickness and squirrels. Seriously. These squirrels can get up on fences, get down from fences, fly into trees, and just, they're just, they're so fast and just scurrying and, gosh, man. Quarantine is getting to me, but damn, squirrels are tremendous, tremendous athletes. Um, I didn't see a ton of nickel snaps. He says he watches Kenny Moore, so that's good. All right, Desmond Patman, um, he catches balls that are outside his radius. I will say that, like, it's not the most natural-looking catcher of the football. And I know he struggled with some drops this past season. Um, I like the frame. I like the upside, of course. I think that, you know, he's willing to, you know, do some things after the catch with it. Uh, But I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done before Desmond Patman is 100% on this football team. I do. But might grow. New White House coach, something to work with. All right, lastly, Jordan Glasgow. Ah, uh, boy, special teams, special teams. You know, Glasgow gets it. He gets the value of being on special teams. Uh, you know, he's not a high-level college starter. He, he earned that for one year. He's not going to be – because sometimes you get these guys that have started for three years in college, but they don't play special teams. Now you're going to ask them to play special teams, and they don't want to do the dirty work. Glasgow will do the dirty work. So he, he's the kind of makeup that you want on special teams. Ballard loves him. Bubba Ventrone loves him. Um, so I, I think Glasgow will, will make this team. I think he'll knock off Zaire Franklin or uh, Matthew Adams. All right, before we get into Twitter questions, um, you know, what, what I think I wanted in this draft for the Colts, wide out, big body, some quarterback, and a versatile DB. They certainly check those boxes. What I didn't get, tight end. Frank Reich is obsessed with Trey Burton. We'll get into that a little bit more in Twitter questions as well. Uh, just the definite quarterback answer, which I know was difficult to find. And then offensive tackle. You know, Pintner from all sides of it, they say interior. And I know the 2021 offensive tackle class because I'm crazy and I've already, you know, looked into that class a little bit. And, yeah, I, I, I'm insane. But – um, seems like it, it is a really good uh, offense tackle class, but again, 
It's just not something that I want to put all my eggs in that basket, having to come in as a rookie and play from day one. And then kicker debate. I totally forgot about getting into this on, on last week's podcast. Um, yeah, I Rigoberto or um, what's his name? Rodrigo against uh, against Chase for the kicking job. I, I don't think Adam Benateri is um, is coming back, and and I don't I, I don't think he should. Um, so yeah, um, I am I'm good with that. Um, Blake and Chip is a guy that you know I think everyone just wants to hand the job to. Like Chase McLaughlin kicked in the NFL last year, folks, and kicked pretty well in the NFL last year. Also replaced Adam Vinatieri for four games and did a really nice job. So let's not just hand it to the guy with the Rexpecs. But um, yeah, kicker battle. Here we go. Can't wait for that. All right, Twitter time. Let's start with Drew. Drew, chances all 24 opening day starters, he's counting the kickers, are on the team already. 80% he throws out there, higher or lower? Oh, higher. Yeah, 80%. I mean, 80% of of 24 is, um, I mean, he's what, 19-ish, 20-ish? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking it's 22 or 23 starters, including the kickers. I mean, quarterback, yes. Running back, yes. Wide out, yes. Tight end, I'm pretty sure. Offensive line, certainly. Um, maybe another defensive end, but I don't think that's happening. Linebackers, yes. Secondary, yes. I mean, unless you have catastrophic injuries, I don't I don't see a starter coming from outside. Think about, like, past, you know, Mike Williams, um, you know, or Mike Williams, Mike Adams, uh, was signed in what June? I mean, that to me would be the only real guy I can think of that came in this late into the, um, you know, into the process and um, and earned a starting job. And injuries played into that as well. So, yeah, I can't see that happening. All right, Matt is not sold on the Jordan Glasgow pick. Um, he, he, he mentions a lot. I'll just kind of – basically, he's not sold on it uh, because it's it's purely for special teams. He wanted a safety in there. Um, you know, again, when you look at your 53-man roster, and it'll be 53 in each week, and then you can bump two guys up. you got to remember, your fifth and sixth linebacker, like Zaire Franklin, he didn't play snap on defense last year, but yet play special teams. So – I think I, I'm fine with one of your roster spots being that. You still need like a fifth or sixth linebacker. You need him for blowouts. You need him just, just for a pure number thing. And as far as safety, I mean, I think they really like Roland Milligan as that fourth safety. So um, as far as kind of wasting the day three pick, yeah, I mean, I'm not I, – I wouldn't call it a total waste. Do I think four six-round picks are a bit of a waste? Yeah. That's why I would have traded for 2021 capital. Look what the Saints did. I mean, they traded virtually all their day three picks. All right, we got one here. We had a couple about Jordan Wilkins. So Bradley and Rusty, this is for you. Is Jordan Wilkins still on the team? I keep seeing people talking about our backfield, and they aren't listing his name. If he is still on the team, will drafting Jonathan Taylor affect his playing time? Thanks. Love the podcast. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, yes, he is on the team. Um, Colts have six running backs right now. Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, Bruce Anderson, and Darius Jackson. Jarius Jackson. Darius Jackson. Jarius Jackson, great quarterback in Notre Dame. He played for the Broncos for a minute. Okay. Um, Jordan Wilkins, I had him not making my 53-man roster. Nothing to do with what I – I think Jordan Wilkins is a very serviceable, whatever, number three running back. But look at how Frank Reich has used – the fourth running back. And I say fourth because Naeem Hines is also on the roster. Jonathan Williams touched the ball barely at all after those 200-yard games late in the season. So unless Wilkins is your swing practice squad guy, you bump up and he's playing special teams, I just don't I, I don't know if there's room for him because you got to think about Roosevelt Knicks too. And Frank Reich saying earlier today, you know, two back set with Knicks, that could be, you know, 10 to 20% of our offense, kind of like Ryan Hewitt and, 2018, yeah, I just don't see – I know it's tough because if Marlon Mack tears ACL tomorrow, 
then all of a sudden you really need a guy like Wilkins to back up Jonathan Taylor. So it, it's just, it's this weird thing of like one injury happens. You really need that guy, but if everyone's healthy, the guy barely even plays. So I just think you keep your fourth running back on the practice squad. That's how I kind of look at it. Dane, after seeing Jameis get a $1 million deal as a backup, is it safe to say the Brissett extension was a bad move? $17 million cap hit could have been spent a lot further. I think it's bigger than that. Isn't it $21 million cap hit? Pretty sure that's that's what it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, Dalton get $3 million? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a horrible contract. It is a, a horrific contract for a backup quarterback. It is. Brissett is making, again, the cap hit, $21 million. I looked up some of these other ones. Mariota, 7 mil. Everyone else in the NFL is 5 or lower. And most are kind of in that 1 to 2 range. I kind of got down a rabbit hole and looking up cap hits around the league. I found this wild. The Colts have 3 of the top 20 highest cap hits in the NFL this coming season. 3 of the highest 20. Rivers, Buckner, and Bursette. The return on those guys is just, oh my gosh. It's just, I mean, obviously, you know, Buckner, you would hope, but still, I mean, Buckner's got to be an all pro to make that sort of money. And then obviously, Rivers and Brissett, you aren't going to get. I mean, it's just, it's stupid. But could you front loaded that more in 2018? I certainly would have moved, or 2019, I, I would have I moved on for him. You guys have heard me say that. I, I would have moved on for him. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, um, Dustin. I've never heard anyone with the Colts mention the Wildcat. Just wonder if you could see that. Um, yeah, I, I, I could see that. I, I think they did a little Wild Gore with Frank Gore back in the day. Um, I love that Wild Gore. So why not? Yeah, throw it in there. I mean, you know me. I, I'm all for wrinkles. I'm all for doing things differently. Maybe it's Taylor back there and Hines is coming to motion on Jet Sweep, Mack in there, something like that. Hell, any of that's better than whatever you would do with Brissett for five to seven snaps. All right, Trenton. Okay, he thinks Marlon Mack could still come back. Again, this is a long one. Let me see if I can paraphrase here. Um, now that Mack has to split carries, he's no longer going to be a 1,000-yard rusher. Uh Reduced in the contract year, injury prone. Is he really injury prone? Um, look, Marlon Mack has got to be any running back that enters the NFL. All you're thinking about is your second contract. How can I get the second contract? How can I make that money? Because you aren't getting the third one. It's not going to be very lucrative. So you know, maybe the teams might the teams opposing teams might even be more attracted to Marlon Mack if he has less carries this year because they're going to look at it as okay. That's more tread in the tires for us. And if he's, or excuse me, less, less tread in the tires, if he's, you know, what, 24, 25 years old and in free agency, somebody could be giving him a two-year deal and he's going to be having a lead role again and then making pretty good money. I mean, I just rattled off. Did I mention some of those free agents earlier? Yeah, I did. I mean, it's a long list. Cap space, I know the Colts have got a ton open right now, of course, because all these big names are hitting the open market, but it's going to go in a hurry. And if you're Marlon Mack, boy, unless he really, really wants to stay here, really, really wants to stay here, um, I think someone else is going to sign him. And and you don't draft Jonathan Taylor to split carries. You don't draft a guy 41st overall. He's going to be the bell cow. And Mack has been a bit of a bell cow. He's been a 20-ish carry type of guy. So. Um, you know, that's something to where I think, I just think Mac's going to move on. You know, you go get that money, go, go, go get that money. And I think, again, all it takes is one team and they don't even give them something huge, you know, whatever, 5 million a year, 6 million a year. All right. Carter question about Jacob Eason. He's comparing them to Jeff George. Do you think because Jacob was drafted in the fourth round, hearing criticism from scouts and Philip Rivers clashing with him a little bit, geez, showing him how to be an NFL quarterback, what would you say the odds of Jacob Eason being the starter in 2022 or 2023? What would be your ranking for level of confidence from 1 to 10? 
Um, yeah, I'll go with percent. I'll go uh, Jacob E's in the starter in 2022. I'll say 28%. Yeah. 28. Maybe it's too high. Maybe it's too low. I don't know. Get some odds. Jordan would gamble with me on that. Yeah, I'm curious. How does he, how, how, this whole experience, how does he handle all that? Sitting for two years, that's that's not going to be easy. The lack of game reps for sure. But, I mean, who else? He's the only one on her contract till 2022, so you got to lay something on him. And obviously, we'll see what happens next year in the draft. John, do these draft picks put timers on some of the guys that they're clearly meant to replace? I feel like Marlon Mack is playing his last season at Indy for sure at this point. What about Malik Hooker or Mark Glowinski? Um, yeah, I would say yes on Glowinski. And, uh, oh boy, did you see Hooker's Insta story? Malik Hooker throwing up the little thumbs up emoji <laughs> on the, um, on the Insta story. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, you would think Hooker, you would think Mac. Lewinsky, I mean, he's under contract through 2021. And I feel like at times we forget Mark Lewinsky was a fourth-round pick. So, I mean, there's a little bit – excuse me for blowing there. Um, there. There's a little bit, um, you know, talent-wise there. And, and Danny Pintner's never played guard. No offseason program. I mean, how's that going to impact things? So I don't, I don't think you just crown him right away. I really don't think – I'd be stunned if Danny Pintner – beat out Mark Lewinsky in a month. Having never played that position before in his life. And is he a center? Um, all right, Frank says he doesn't get the whole Malik Hooker thing. I, I don't get it. Don't care what rank and round he was drafted. That's in the past. Guy can ball. That's all I care about. Um, look, Hooker can play, certainly. He hasn't sniffed a pro bowler, and, and that's, that's, that's accurate. And that's a 15th overall pick. I've said that I don't think it's a great great scheme fit for him. Um, but still, I feel like young, affordable, motivated, a different skill set at safety, diversifies that that group. I would, I'd evaluate him for another season. And it's not guaranteed until next spring. If he tanks, okay, later. But if he has an unbelievable year and all of a sudden, instead of getting him on six mil, and think about every good play that Malik Hooker makes this year, you're going to have like a cringeworthy you know, press box or Colts fans being like, oh, God. Fish, do you think there's a chance Ballard signs Jadavian Clowney after the compensatory pick deadline in a couple weeks? If you were Ballard, would you? I'd do a one-year deal for $16 million. You know, I would entertain it, but again, this is where the Brissett money comes into play. You know, right now, what do the Colts have? Like $20, $24 million, I want to say? Right around there? Okay, so if you're giving Clowney 16 you need $5 million for your draft pick, somewhere around there. You need probably another $5 million for the season with injuries that inevitably rise up, boy, there goes all your cap space. And I just can't, I can't see Bauer going down that road. Now, if you would have parted ways with, with Jacoby, that, that, that's another 8 million tacked onto that. And that I would have definitely entertained that. But Bauer has said that you're, he's going to play the guys that he drafted. That makes sense. You got to, you got a room full of them as well. But, you know, Clowney definitely would have been an upgrade for you. Oh boy, Dominic's asking about Aaron Rodgers in uh in uh <laughs> playing for the Colts if he gets out of this contract. Yes, hell yes. Of course you you make that call. Yeah, I mean who I mean who else is your twenty twenty one or who's your future after after Rivers? I think Rodgers could play into his forties. Jaden, you think Desmond Patman could play some tight end? Or do you think blocking would be an issue? No, our receiver core is pretty stacked, but it's something I was thinking about. Well, I don't know if I call wide out stacked. I mean, are there names there? Yeah, but I mean, didn't we say that last year? I mean, once you get past, okay, really, once you get past those top four, and it, again, it's an age and injury question with Hilton. It's any sort of rookie coming in the NFL question with Pittman, injuries with with Campbell, Pascal, pretty darn consistent. But then after that, it's just a bunch of guys, really, that haven't shown anything on a consistent basis. So they, they've got to prove themselves. So I, I Patman needs some polish as a route runner, as a receiver. He'd have to put on 20 pounds for me. And I feel like Trey Burton is, is kind of that guy. Carl, will Jacoby be on the roster week one? I think so. You'd have to have some, just some catastrophic injuries happen elsewhere. Other teams around the league for that to happen. 
Garrett, Jacoby's still the backup in Ballard's mind, but come on now. Don't tell me you're going to spend a fourth-round pick and not have that guy be second string. If you're committed to Jacoby as a starter, then why isn't he starting? Things aren't adding up. I love the Ballard regime, but this is hands down the most fr- frustrating topic. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm of the thinking, you know, if Rivers gets hurt, hell, just throw in Eason. <laughs> you know? That's how I would roll with And, and you guys know full well I was a favor of um, Hoyer wanting, wanting Hoyer to dress late last season. Matt saying with drafting Blackman, who won't be ready for the start of the season, wouldn't that put the Colts back on the market for a veteran safety a la Eric Berry? You know, wh- where's the starting job? You know, Eric Berry's coming back in the league. He's going to want to play. Where, where's the playing time? I don't see it. I know the numbers aren't immense at safety for the Colts. They like George Odom. I mean, this puts more on George Odom, you know, depending on what the um, future is for Hooker. All right, Cody um, says that his favorite thing about Pittman is that after getting separation and making a catch, he quickly turns north and gets those crucial run-after-catch yardage by bullying the DB. Do you see this transferring to the NFL? Yeah, I mean, to a degree. Is he going to be able to bully, you know, college DB or NFL DBs the same way he did college DBs? No. But he, he plays to his size. Um, he, Cody asked what is missing from the wideout group. I would just say enough quality depth. I mean, what, happened if, what happens if Hilton gets injured? What happens if Pittman isn't day one ready? Now, now you're scrambling again. Michael, in your estimation, just how fierce is the competition going to be in camp and preseason, especially with the wideout and running back depth charts? Wideout for sure. You've got the four locks. I've mentioned them. Hilton, Campbell, Pittman, Pascal. And then, you know, Patman and, and Reese Fountain and Marcus Johnson and Ashton Doolin and Chad Williams, and I'm probably forgetting someone, competing for that fifth, maybe a sixth wideout spot. Running back, I don't think it's that crazy. It's just who's the starter for fantasy purposes, maybe. Scott, are the Colts that pleased with their tight end room that they didn't draft one? Did they not just value the tight ends after the first and second tier? Yeah, I mean, it was a weak tight end class. I think they entertained it at times, but... I was surprised that even the undrafted class only had one, and, and Farad Green really didn't catch a ton of balls over his entire career at Mississippi State. He looks like more of a blocker, honestly. But, I mean, Frank Reich is so high on Trey Burton. So high on him. We'll get into that more on future podcasts. But, you know, Burton is going to play an Ebron-type role in that he means a lot to the offense, but it will look different. You know, he's not 6'4"-ish like Ebron. He's only 6'2", better blocker, which helps you out there. Um, so yeah, Mac, um, which player from who we drafted will have the most instant impact on the field day one? Well, Pittman and Taylor without question, you know, maybe Windsor backing up, but still that's, that's a hard, maybe, maybe Isaiah Rogers backing up. I I think Glasgow on, um, on special teams. All right. Four more before we call it a day. Uh, Dylan, is Brissett's position on the team to groom Eason? Eason has all the arm talent, but it seems like he needs help becoming a pro. Boy, uh, good luck telling Jacoby Brissett that. I mean, jeez. No, it, it's not just that. The Colts legitimately believe he's a viable backup. They are adamant that you need to have a, a high-quality backup to survive in this league. And I think they are still not slamming the door shut on Jacoby Brissett and not having some sort of a long-term future here, or longer-term future. Again, a lot plays into that outside of their control as well, but there you go. Mr. Trickle, what's the O-line depth chart look like at this point? I thought they would draft a tackle. Yeah, same. Okay, we know the five starters, Costanzo, Nelson, Kelly, Glowinski, Smith. Your backups inside, I would say, Danny Pittner, Jake Elgin Camp, and Javon Patterson. Probably Pittner and Elgin Camp being the favorites there. Outside, Raven Clark, <laughs> yes. And then who? I mean, Andrew Donnell, who used to be at Ohio State, has been in the league for a bit. Didn't play it at all last year on offense, but he started some games. You know, I threw out Cardo O'Donnell, the undrafted free agent. I guess we haven't talked about undrafted free agents much. But, um, yeah, check that out, my 53-man roster. I put Cardo O'Donnell, who comes down from Canada, on my 53-man roster just because he's an outside tackle that will have an opportunity. But, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a sad group, honestly. Big King, out of the current and new wideouts, who do you think will make the roster? Not make the roster. Um, so, yeah, the, the big four, and then I'll, I'll say Doolin and Reese Fountain for now. But a lot needs to be shown. Doolin for his special teams and Fountain, I guess just I think he'll take the next step. But Marcus Johnson and Desmond Patman, 
those would be the guys that I would uh, I would cut there. And then last one, what are the chances? I kind of answered this earlier, James. What are the chances of Pittner beating Glowinski out for the right guard? I, I just think slim. Some development need. He's never played the position. Tight end his first two years at Ball State, then starts at right tackle. Never played the position before. Um, and, and rookies are getting hurt by the lack of in-person, you know, development here in the off-season program. I mean, there's a you know great possibility that training camp will be the first time these guys get in person. All right, hope you edition, hope you enjoyed this edition of Kevin's Corner. Um, again, tons and tons of draft content up on the website, 1075thefan.com. Schedule release will come out later this week. Um, right now on the website, I'm looking back at each individual draft pick and diving deeper into that pick after watching some film, um, getting some quotes from, from coaches and, and those sorts of things. Um, so they'll be running really over the next two weeks up on the site, and the schedule release should be later this week. I will get into that. Um, if you guys have any suggestions for the podcast, now that we get into more of the um, – you know, meet, I guess, of the off season and some of the quieter times, feel free to DM me. If you have any questions, as always DM me as well. So everybody have a great week. Thanks for listening to this edition of Kevin's Corner. And uh, for the latest, 1075thefan.com.